Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. A major downtown hotel is under fire tonight from a group of Indigenous leaders alleging racism that left one of their members traumatized and humiliated. Our Kristen Robinson is live outside the Hyatt Regency Hotel tonight where the incident happened a couple of weeks ago. Kristen. In less than two weeks, the BC Association of Aboriginal Friendship Centres was planning to host a large Indigenous youth event at the Hyatt Regency Vancouver. They're now looking for a new venue at the last minute. The organization says one of its cultural advisors was publicly humiliated after it says it experienced, he experienced what they say was racism at the hotel last month. The Hyatt Regency is in business to provide hospitality, not hostility. During a membership meeting at the Vancouver Hotel in late February, the BC Association of Aboriginal Friendship Centres says a cultural advisor with a medical condition was denied access to the nearest restroom on the second floor until it was too late. After several, four requests, the cultural advisor could no longer control his need to use the toilet. This resulted in a public and humiliating incident. The staff member soiled himself, she says, and a hotel employee allegedly mocked his wet clothing. The BCAFC cultural advisor was extremely humiliated and traumatized. To take away such a basic human right from our cultural advisor is wrong. The Hyatt says it conducted a thorough internal investigation and concluded the employee was following overnight protocol to close restrooms in unused areas of the hotel and redirect this person to an open restroom, but upon learning this person was a guest of the hotel, allowed him to use the restroom. The Hyatt did not address allegations of racism. What we experienced from this hotel is that it is telling Indigenous people that we don't belong in their space, even if we're paying guests. They want the hotel to provide anti-racism training for all staff and enact measures to ensure systemic racism is addressed throughout the Hyatt organization. The Gathering Our Voices Indigenous Youth Leadership Training event was to be held at the Hyatt Regency Vancouver later this month, but the association will be taking it elsewhere. 1,000 youth. How are we going to walk in there and feel comfortable? We need to protect our youth from the harm of racism. Now, the Hyatt maintains it has a long-standing commitment to celebrating and honouring diversity, equity and inclusivity of guests. Quote, we have been working with Indigenous groups for many years and are proud to have built a strong relationship. As an organisation, we have taken the reconciliation with Indigenous people very seriously with a focus on educating our colleagues. Sophie? All right, thanks for that. Kristen Robinson reporting in downtown Vancouver tonight.
Well, as we approach the third anniversary of the COVID-19 pandemic, BC health officials are releasing plans for the spring booster program. Those in high-risk groups will have the opportunity for another shot starting in April. But as Richard Zussman reports tonight, the majority of British Columbians will not. With respiratory illness season nearly behind us, the province's top health officials looking forward. We continue to deal with COVID-19 and we'll continue to do so. The next step of dealing with COVID, a spring vaccine booster campaign. Eligible for the shot are those 80 years of age and older, 70 plus for Indigenous British Columbians, those living in long-term care, those designated as clinically extremely vulnerable, and a new category, those 60 plus who have not yet at any point tested positive for COVID-19. We are learning a lot about the immune system, about the vaccinations, about the durability of protection, and about the, what we call hybrid immunity. This will not be a general population campaign. The expectation so far is the next COVID vaccine most people will get will be in the fall, when it could be combined with the flu shot. Using my vested um, thinking right now, unless things change, and they have changed, uh, that we'll likely do similar to what we do for influenza, where um, broadly recommended, but really focus on those people who, who need it most. What will happen into the next year and beyond still unknown. There is still COVID in community, with 205 people in hospital currently having tested positive, but fewer staff are calling in sick at hospitals and deaths are waning, leading to a change when it comes to the province's public service and its current vaccine mandate. Given the high rates of immunization and given uh, what we're seeing in terms of the population and the transmission of COVID, that decision was made by the public service agency to, uh, to remove those mandates. The public service mandate will be gone by April 3rd, opening the door for those who have not gotten their vaccine at pharmacies or other places to go back to work. There are 175 people currently on unpaid leave. What will not change is the mandate in the health care system. And the plan continues to be to put that into permanent contracts and make that a long-term requirement. And just to be clear, uh, Richard, I don't expect it to change either. As for those who have not been vaccinated, the province echoing the same message. The risk continues to be higher of severe illness for anyone who hasn't received a shot. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. And for more, let's bring in our Keith Baldry in Victoria with some of the big picture numbers from the past three years. It's hard to believe it's been three years, Keith. Three years tomorrow, Sophie. Such a long, strange journey. I thought I'd dig out from under my desk. These are my COVID-19 notebooks for the last three years. Every one of these notebooks filled to the brim with all sorts of case numbers, statistics, anecdotes relating to the pandemic. Uh, quite something to look at in retrospect. When you put all the numbers together, though, this is what BC looks like during the three years of pandemic in terms of statistics. So, 5,249 people died from COVID-19. More than 33,000 people were so sick they were required to be put in hospital. Many of those were in ICUs. In all, almost 400,000 cases have been detected. And of course, that's not all the cases in terms of people who actually got COVID-19. Probably well more than 2 million people at the end of the day contracted the virus. Health Minister Adrian Dix today at that news conference with Dr. Bonnie Henry reflecting on the past three years. Um, it has been... Um a long three years. I think uh, I would just reflect on all of those who have suffered loss in, those peri in this period, all of those who have suffered loss uh, directly from COVID-19, 
suffered loss in our in the public health emergency. That is the overdose public health emergency that was greatly impacted by the fact of COVID-19 in BC. It's been quite a time, that's for sure, Keith. Dr. Henry mm -hmm. was also asked today about uh, the hardest part of navigating the pandemic for her, and she gave an answer. Yeah, so she and uh, Health Minister Adrian Nix have had more than 250 of these briefings. I mean, these things were a staple of people's lives on a daily basis for well more than a year. And she has become emotional from time to time. Like, it happened again today when she was asked to reflect on one of the sort of the troubling times of the pandemic. And she referred back to the emergence of the Delta variant, which really was trouble with low vaccination rates, particularly amongst young people and a lot of people in the ICU. Here's Dr. Henry. Um, but when Delta came... It was hitting young people. They were in emergency departments. There were uh, these were people who were not yet vaccinated. For very often, um, it was it was such a difficult. It was a very severe disease in very many people, and particularly in the north and the interior, where we had to medevac hundreds of people in critical care, most of them with COVID, to places in the south. That was the hardest, hardest time. Dr. Henry today reminding us COVID is not going to disappear anytime soon. We have to learn to live with this, and we are learning to live with it. And as an indication of that, even though I've got, you know, 13 books here, I have only added one book in the last eight months, which shows that COVID numbers are not as dominant in our life right now as they uh, have been for three years. And again, the message from, the, from Dr. Henry and Minister Dix today, if you're in one of these vulnerable, vulnerable groups, get mm -hmm. their boosters starting in April. Mm -hmm. Good advice. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Well, for months, provincial politicians have pushed the federal government to do something about repeat violent offenders in B.C. Today, those pleas were answered, with Justice Minister David Lametti promising action. Paul Johnson has more on what that might look like and why some are skeptical. We have made real progress on a plan to continue strengthening Canada's bail system. The country's attorneys general were all singing from the same page Friday. Fresh from a meeting in Ottawa where they said they recognize problems involving repeat violent offenders have eroded public confidence in the bail system. And what we heard from the federal government is a clear commitment to make those legislative changes to the criminal code as early as this spring. There are countless examples across the country of violent crimes committed by people many think should have been locked up. One local example is the story of Mohammed Majidpur whose supersized rap sheet includes whacking a woman over the head with a pole and getting rearrested for an alleged property crime just two hours and 18 minutes after he was let out for something else. The Ottawa attendees had plenty of material to work with. The reforms will address the challenges posed by repeat violent offenders, as well as offenses committed involving the use of firearms and other weapons, such as knives and bear spray. The announcement is that uh, the Minister of Justice will have targeted bail reform. Vancouver criminal lawyer Ravi Hira believes the Attorneys General mean business on this one. And Canadians ought to expect something that strikes the right balance between public safety and the presumption of innocence. Tightening that balance so that dangerous people are not let out to recommit offences while on bail is a good thing. Tightening the balance to fill up our jails is a bad thing. But while they've promised targeted bail reform to the criminal code, there was little sense of the details of how it will work. 
Attorney General of Canada David Lametti says we'll have to wait to see those until Cabinet is through with it and then when a bill is drafted. Paul Johnson, Global News. And a Surrey man has some serious questions about the justice system tonight following the death of his older brother. Escort Jessica Kane is charged with manslaughter and the death of Dustin Lefebvre. And as Romina Dea reports, Lefebvre's brother wants to know why Kane is out on bail. Happy birthday, dear Brady. Dustin Lefebvre was idolized by his younger brother. What's the toughest thing right now for you as you try to navigate this grief? Uh, not being able to just text him every day, 25 times a day. And he's the guy who would, you know, take his shirt off for you. Um, most giving human being I've ever met. Alex Sherry last saw his brother at a barbecue at Dustin's Surrey home on February 25th, 2021. Alex says Dustin, a successful businessman, was having a tough time. He was separated from his wife and fighting to see his two young boys. The morning after the barbecue, Alex received a crushing call from his mom. What? Like, Dustin's dead? He uh, went to his room, from what I was told, and just never woke up. Dustin's family says two women had been at the home, his wallet and phone missing. Sadness. I, you know, just... He didn't deserve that. Miss Kane, can I have a word with you? Vancouver escort, 31-year-old Jessica Kane, has been charged with manslaughter, administering a stupefying drug and theft in connection to Lefebvre's death. Kane is currently out on $50,000 bail. I just want to talk to you about the allegations. Why not? These are serious charges. We don't know the background. We're talking, well, this is why I'm asking you. These are serious charges. We're talking manslaughter, allegations of drugging guys, robbing them. Kane is facing 25 charges in B.C., dating back to February 2021, in relation to multiple alleged victims from across the Lower Mainland. Lefebvre is the only person to die. None of the allegations have been proven in court. According to sources, Kane is also under investigation in Alberta. No charges have been laid in that province. You know, I think it starts sort of with anger. Like, why is she out? She's staying in her nice apartment, living a life, being free on the streets. Um, it's, it's frustrating and sad. Alex felt compelled to speak out so the public is aware of what happened to his brother. He says it's not right. He just wants justice for Dustin. Romina Dea, Global News. A troubling new development in the dramatic increase of online sextortion cases in Canada. As Travis Prasad reports, scammers are adding insult to injury by taking advantage of the victims again. After intimate online images of a 14-year-old boy in B.C. were used to extort him, the teen's family contacted someone they thought specialized in removing sextortion content from the Internet. They were in full panic mode, as one can imagine. And so they went online and they found that this company was offering the ability to help them for a fee to get pictures down or to prevent the picture from even being posted. And they were charging $1,500, but they were willing to take in three $500 installments. They paid the money only to be told the images could not be removed and there would be no refund. The boy and his family victimized for a second time in a so-called recovery scam. 
there are companies out there that are charging huge sums of money to assist victims in getting content removed and in investigating the individuals who are extorting them. But the victims don't get any help and the fraudsters keep the cash. Recovery scams are not new, but experts warn they're on the rise nationwide. They've become just as predatory as those who are sextorting our kids or even adults online right now. More than a decade after the suicide of Port Coquitlam teen Amanda Todd sparked a worldwide conversation around online sextortion, the problem has become worse. For the year 2020 to 21, the RCMP received more than 52,000 complaints of child sextortion, up 510% from seven years earlier. And CyberTip currently gets 300 reports of sextortion each month. In talking to teens, when this happens, they think their life is now is over. In February, 14-year-old Robin Janjua of Surrey took his own life. Sources tell Global News sextortion may have played a role. Victims are being reminded help is available. Advocates say paying to have images deleted is a risk not worth taking. If you feel comfortable, reach into your local law enforcement agency, talk to them about the situation. Um, if not, connect with us. Travis Prasad, Global News. A major airline is a major airline merger, I should say, is getting a green light from Ottawa. The federal government has given its approval of WestJet's takeover of Sunwing. But there are conditions, the strings attached, and the potential impact on travelers. Next on the News Hour. Coming up on the news hour, California declares a state of emergency. The latest wild weather to pummel the state later. Also tonight, air miles on the brink. How BMO has stepped forward to save the program for now. Right now, though, despite concerns from the Competition Bureau and travelers, the federal government has approved WestJet's takeover of Sunwing Airlines. As Aaron MacArthur reports, Ottawa is attaching several conditions to the deal to protect consumers. Despite strong warnings from the Competition Bureau, the federal government has given the green light to WestJet in its takeover bid of Sunwing's operation. A move that will drastically alter the package travel landscape in Canada, especially when it comes to sun destinations. From a consumer standpoint, less competition is always bad news, especially when it comes to uh, the prices. They will absolutely skyrocket. WestJet first proposed a takeover of Sunwing's operations last year. The Competition Bureau, though, raising red flags in the fall of 2022, indicating the two companies largely serve the same markets, and that it could mean increasing prices and decreasing service levels. The federal government says this deal will stabilize the airline industry, and the minister has attached several conditions to the sale to soften the impact to consumers and employees at Sunwing, which include expand Sunwing vacation package offerings to five more Canadian cities, maintain capacity on routes most affected by the merger, improve baggage and communication services, and to provide vacation package airfare data to track price changes. Air passenger rights advocates say this merger only benefits WestJet. This is a deplorable decision that serves the company, serves WestJet's interests, not the public's interests, not the consumer's interests. Both Sunwing and WestJet sent nearly identical statements simply thanking the federal government for approving the sale. 
No financial details of the deal have been released. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Up next, moving the downtown east side street markets. It gives people a job and a sense of community. Where the city plans to put it and mixed feelings about what goes on there. Also ahead, crime of opportunity. Cameras catch purse snatchers in action. Steady traffic both ways tonight at the Patello Bridge with just a bit of volume on the Columbia on-ramp south. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $24 million. Lotto Max dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge. The infamous flea market on Vancouver's downtown east side is at the center of a new controversy. Critics describe the market as an open-air fencing operation for stolen goods. Now Vancouver City staff are proposing to move it to a new location, a move that will require the demolition of a heritage building. Imadagahi reports. This is 26 East Hastings Street in Vancouver, or better known as the bustling downtown east side street market where $20 cash buys you a nail gun. Everyone wants to buy things for cheap and then resell them for a little bit of profit. So that's what the market is all about. The market has been a fixture in the neighborhood for years, despite mixed reception from the public with questions about where the goods on display here come from and the police who have previously confirmed a significant portion is stolen. So that's stolen right there? Yeah, most likely. It's four boxes of the exact identical place. But the city has long supported the market because of its role in providing low barrier income opportunities for residents of the downtown east side. So as the lease for the market's current space comes to an end, city staff are in the process of relocating the market one block over. Its plan now is to knock down this vacant heritage building at 123 East Hastings and move the market there, according to a permit application. Traditionally, the market was set up for local residents of the downtown east side to uh, sell some goods to make ends meet. Vancouver police continue to sound the alarm about the activity they've discovered within the market. We believe it to be stolen goods sold in that market. It's definitely fueled all the violent shoplifting that's been happening throughout the city over the past few months. Um, as we feel that these organized crime groups have come in and things have shifted. I've shoplifted before. I grabbed something from a store. I sold it to someone. On Friday, the ABC Vancouver majority members in city council chose not to comment on the subject. And there is still no information available on what the cost of the relocation will be to city taxpayers. Imadagahi, Global News. Vancouver police are warning people to be careful after a string of purse thefts in busy downtown restaurants and hotels. Several of the purse snatchings were caught on surveillance video and police believe the same suspect is at work. In each case, the purse was placed on a table or chair right next to its owner. And the videos show just how quickly the thief operates. Coming up, Air Miles get a life, gets a lifeline. People have been collecting air miles since 1992 and wanting to get enough miles for that dream vacation. The deal to save the loyalty program and what it'll mean for your points. And later, the community comes together for a teen girl with a severe brain injury. How she'll finally get to join her family for a bike ride this summer.
Minor delays here tonight in New West for a stalled cube ban eastbound on Stewartson, just east of 20th in the left lane. BCAA member, lucky you. BCAA members save three, per, three cents per liter off fuel at Shell. Conditions apply. Visit shell.ca slash BCAA. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a stall in New West. Becoming to the popular Air Miles Rewards program as BMO takes over as its owner. As Megan Cobb reports, the announcement has some collectors wondering what it will mean for their future travel plans. Air Miles has long been a rewards program synonymous with travel, with Canadians collecting points to redeem for their dream vacations. It's certainly something that we look forward to spending after saving them up. It's always nice to look forward to going somewhere warm and using those Air Miles to fly. The travel program's parent company, Loyalty One, has filed for bankruptcy in the U.S. and court protection in Canada. BMO Financial now signing a deal to take over the Air Miles program. A statement posted to the Air Miles website says the change in ownership won't impact balances or collectors' ability to redeem miles, while experts say continuity in the program will be key to keeping customers happy. They like having that dependability, so it's not going to completely, like I said, fade into abyss. It's still going to be there at its core. There just might be a few tweaks and differences, you know, from a more BMO customized approach. There are nearly 10 million Air Miles cardholders in Canada, but retailers have been dropping the travel rewards program over the past decade, making it more difficult to earn miles, leaving some collectors unfazed by the changes. I mean, it served me well in the, in the past, but whatever. I will check my balance, though, to see if I have anything outstanding, see if there's anything I can get. No, I don't like it because I used to fly out to the coast all the time, but now I don't get enough. Eric Meyer says for those on the other side looking to cash in before it's too late, it's best to be patient, reminding collectors it's in BMO's best interest to keep the rewards program intact. We just have to wait and see what the next couple months have in store. We have to understand what's happening behind the scenes and realize that it's, you know, there's more to be had by having the program than completely eliminating the program. Megan Cobb, Global News. The District of Sycamus is considering a bylaw that would ban drug use in public parks. But Interior Health has concerns bylaws like this proposal could undermine the purpose of decriminalization. In a letter to the municipality, the medical health officer says enforcing bylaws which prohibit public consumption reinforces stigma and might encourage people to use drugs alone, increasing the risk of death. Sycamus Council is still discussing how to move forward with the proposed bylaw but the health authority is suggesting the district hold off on policy change for at least six months. Still to come, a special bike for a special girl. And we're forever grateful. How the community has stepped up to help a family in need. Plus... We'll get a 911 call. Someone's lost. They're in an absolute panic. Staying safe in the great outdoors, what our Paul Hasem learned during a walk in the woods with North Shore Rescue. Extreme weather continues to batter parts of California. At least two people have died as the result of the ongoing storm that's pounding the central and northern parts of the state. Flooding has sparked evacuation orders in several coastal communities. About 25 million people are under flood alert. Tens of thousands are without power. 34 of California's 58 counties are currently under a state of emergency. 
Well, when spring hits the city, it is still winter up in the mountains. And while you can find a good time in the mountains year-round, it pays to be prepared. Our Paul, ha Paul Hasem took a walk in the woods with North Shore Rescue on the do's and don'ts of shoulder season. Two, one, and hold your position. As the weather starts to heat up on the west coast, so do the calls for North Shore Rescue. When the sun goes down, this really firms up. So we hit the trails with NSR team lead Mike Danks with some reminders for the slippery shoulder season. We still have a lot of snow on the ground here. So people that are doing hikes in the front country, footwear, they need to consider micro spikes. You need to think about extra layers. The NSR team dealing with a spike in calls, including three in one day earlier this week. People out of bounds, lost, and unprepared. We'll get a 911 call, someone's lost, they're in an absolute panic, and right. they're making poor decisions. And that's where things really go sideways so quickly. Things went sideways in late February when a couple visiting Canada got lost and stranded overnight on Lynn Headwaters Trail. It was this curve we called with most of the people that we have not been able to find in the backcountry have been people that have been visitors to Vancouver. Where do we deliver that message? Is it at the airports? Is it at the flights when they're coming in? Um, is it at in the hotels? Tourists and locals alike are reminded to have a plan, a map, and a satellite device. But if you do get lost, don't split up and look for a clearing. This is a prime example. I mean, we're in dense canopy here. It's very hard to see the sky. But as soon as you come out into this open area, wow, you're very visible. Visibility is key for anyone venturing into the backcountry, along with having the proper gear and the knowledge to use it. Pay it forward. Bring extra gear with you because it can not only save your life, but someone else's life. Gear like this avalanche airbag backpack that works like a charm. Paul Hasem, Global News. <laughs> All right, Paul is clearly set now. Let's bring in mm -hmm. senior meteorologist Christy Gordon with a look at uh, our weather forecast and conditions in uh, a lot of BC, a lot of backcountry parts of BC, Christy. Yeah, so I thought I would just highlight the fact that currently right now for the North Shore Mountains as well as Sunshine Coast, it's a, uh, rated as a considerable avalanche danger rating. That's the case for areas just north of the Kootenai region. And as we head into Monday, that area here will transition to a high uh, level in terms of avalanche danger rating. So a heads up if anyone is headed out into the backcountry. To give you perspective, at a considerable level, natural avalanches are possible. Human trigger avalanches are likely and at a high level, human trigger uh, avalanches are very likely. So uh, it is going to be rather wet down here. So don't try and get out into the backcountry to relieve that wetness. Maybe just plan an indoor activity to keep yourself safe. We've got bulk of the snowfall across southern Alberta, southern Saskatchewan see snowfall across our region earlier. It has now eased to showers and we're going to or flurries I should say for inland regions. We'll continue to see flurries overnight throughout the day tomorrow. You can see how spotty it is. We may see wet flurries across the south coast overnight tonight. We're dropping down to three degrees but overall we're talking about showers for our region and here's your forecast for your Saturday. So for those of you in the Okanagan Valley you'll see breaks of blue sky by the afternoon mainly cloudy across our region. Wet flurries possible overnight but generally showers throughout the day will reach a high of 90 
degrees for our Saturday, a wet start to our spring break. We still have a chance of showers on Sunday. By Sunday night, heavy rain, and we'll continue to see that on Monday with a bit of an atmospheric river that's set to push in. Don't forget, we change our clocks Sunday morning. Tonight, central windows, weather window coming to you from Comox. Glenn sharing this. This was from this morning. A beautiful, uh, calm morning, as you can see there. Sophie, back to you. So peaceful. Thank you, Christy. Mm -hmm. A Saanich teenager who was left with severe lifelong injuries after being hit by a car will be getting a special gift to help make the most of her life. Kylie Stanton reports. Two, one. <laughs> it's been a long road to get to this point, but these smiles are a reminder things are moving in the right direction. <gasps> Despite being in a wheelchair and unable to speak, Leila Bowie, now 16 years old, is navigating life in high school. She's uh, going to Mount Doug. You know, music class, uh, you know, she's, she's getting, you know, getting to strum the guitar. But soon she'll be adding another activity to the list, cycling. There's this bike called the Duet that, you know, Layla, you know, could use. We enter a contest to try to win it. The Great Bike Giveaway works with adaptive bike companies from around the world to provide them to youth with special needs. Within days, word spread and the votes and donations in Layla's name came pouring in, launching her to the number one spot. We got great news yesterday that um, she is getting that bike. It's a clear sign the community has not forgotten about the tragic accident that left Layla with severe and lifelong injuries. Back in December of 2017, she was hit by a driver in this Saanich crosswalk and thrown 26 meters. She suffered severe brain damage, a fractured neck and lacerated spleen. But Layla is a fighter. And while she won't be the one pedaling her new bike, it brings the family one step closer to ensuring she can lead as normal a life as possible. It brings back some of the joy that, that she's lost, and this is a way for her to get the, the quality of life that she deserves. But there was still one more roadblock. Like a headrest, um, uh, a harness. The new bike needs in. to be outfitted uh, with roughly $3,000 worth of gear to ensure Layla's safety. A GoFundMe set up to raise the money to cover those costs is now closing in on its goal. Once again, the community stepped up and um, they responded and we're forever grateful for that support. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Glad she'll be get, uh, getting to go out for that family bike ride once again. All right, let's bring in Squire to take a look at what's coming up in sports. This is like a candidate, if not for plays of the year, maybe fails of the year. Well, I think it's both. Both. It was a fail, but it had a, well, I don't know if it had a happy ending. It had a unique ending. <laughs> and we will tell you which BC golfer did this at the Players' Championship today. You will. Slow down. A little bit too much juice. Slow down. down. The rough catch. No. Nope. Wow. Oh, oh. I've never seen that before. That's about <laughs> as unique as you will ever see. And when he's done sports, he's got satellite debris for us. That's still to come.
Some BC boys doing good. Yes, at the Players' Championship, which is considered golf's fifth major. Series uh, Adam Svensson, who of course won his uh, first PGA event last November. He's tied for first place at the Players. He's minus eight. Now, the second round wasn't finished. They had to stop it because bad weather rolled in in Florida. He uh, still has seven holes to play, as uh, does Adam Hadwin, who has holes to play, and he's tied for eighth right now. Ontario's Taylor Pendrith is also in the top ten at five under par. Hadwin's minus four. Okay, so let's uh, watch Adam Svensson. It used to be that he wasn't a very good putter, but he's much better now. The last couple of years, he's really dedicated himself to working on his game, not just relying on his talent. That got him to six under par. This is a nice chip. He would putt this in to go to eight under par before they stopped everything because of the weather. Adam Hadwin. This is a par three. And he puts this one nice and close. And as we said, he is at four under par right now, which is in a big group tied for eighth. And still has a number of holes to play. He's only played eight holes in the second round. But here is, we showed you this before the break, it's Nick Taylor, the other guy from Abbotsford. So he's not having a good day and a good tournament. He's plus four. And this is not a good shot, obviously, because it goes from the bunker and is too fast, too much speed. But this ball has hydrophobia. It's not going in the water. It's going in that. If he did this a million more times, he could not do that shot again. A billion more times. Yeah, I, there's no way. It's just out of the trap, and that ball just stays in that piece of wood that's a support for the green. There you go. That's a hazard. That's a hazard. Now, he can either try to hit it out of that or just yeah. drop and take a penalty. I don't think you have a club for that shot. Uh, usually when we talk about the Vancouver Whitecaps and the first name Ryan, it's Ryan Gall. But Ryan Raposo is beginning to get noticed a lot more. He was big in the game on Wednesday against Real Espana, and he could be a key player in tomorrow's game against FC Dallas, which incidentally will start 2 o'clock at BC Place. Regular playing time with the Whitecaps has always been just out of reach for Ryan Raposo, but he believes that comes with the territory of being a professional athlete. Sometimes you're playing, sometimes you're not. So I think uh, as athletes, it's, it's more so how you deal with that. Um, you, you know, you always got to come into work and, and, and give your best because you never know when it's going to be your time. The 24-year-old from Hamilton, Ontario, is making the most of his time on the pitch. He was in the starting lineup for the first time this year when the Whitecaps faced Real España on Wednesday. Raposo recorded a goal and an assist and was named Man of the Match after his shift. Raposo scores! He's such a dynamic player. Uh, you can put him pretty much anywhere in the field and he'll do well. And, um, yeah, he showed that on Wednesday. The versatile winger has played on both the left and right side, and last year he embraced the role as a wingback, but this is the first time he's been used as a fullback, and it could be more minutes on a regular basis for the fourth overall pick in the 2020 MLS Super Draft. Yeah, I was never really the number one option everywhere I've been, uh, even at the youth level, um, going into college, now coming into pro. So it's always been a consistent and slow grind, and that's something that I'm comfortable with and something that um, I'm getting used to. Hopefully he's not too used to it because the Whitecaps have a lot of games this season, and if he keeps playing the way he did on Wednesday, he may end up being one of the first names on the team sheet for Coach Vanny Sartini. That he has everything to play both as a right back or as a left back. Of course, he's right-footed, so 
it would be more natural on the right, but even on the left, he can play. He can actually, you see, Wednesday can comes in and and shoot a goal. So uh, I think he's doing well, and uh, he has the chance to play a lot of games this season. The Vancouver Canucks have added to their growing collection of Russian players, signing seventh-round draft pick Kirill Kudryatsev to a three-year contract. He's a defenseman currently playing in the Sioux. In the OHL, 45 points in 60 games. Not that big for a defenseman, 5'11", 193, but we'll see. Maybe he'll develop into an NHL or we'll might as well sign him and find out. The uh, Chicago Bears, make up the Chicago Bears, have traded the first overall pick in April's NFL draft to Carolina, which, if they don't trade it, will use the first pick on a quarterback for sure. The Bears got a big return. They got the first pick from Carolina this year and also their first pick next year, their second pick this year, and a second pick in 2025, along with veteran receiver DJ Moore, who will definitely have a chance to be a starter in Chicago. There you go. Do you have any singing animals coming up? Singing avocados, maybe? Uh, No, but I do have monkeys who do funny things. Monkeys do funny things. They do funny things. All right. Well, monkeys doing funny things right after this. Yeah. (laughs) Funny monkeys. Armstrong is here now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan? Sophie, a concerning environmental situation tonight on the North Shore. There is a sewage leak flowing into the Capilano River, and the Squamish Nation believes it's been happening for five days. They're telling people to avoid using the river for fishing, swimming, or anything else. At 11, what we're learning about the possible source of that leak. Sophie? Oh, dear. All right. Tune in at 11. Thanks, Jordan. Hmm. Uh, on that note, let's... Glad I haven't eaten yet. ...start satellite debris. <laughs> okay, so our uh, first uh, three commercials are from Gumtree, which is a uh, classified business in the UK. Here we go. Drink your vegetables. Then let me introduce this premium blender sold by Jerry Stewart from Huddersfield. I don't know how you got in here, but would you mind leaving, please? Okay, Jerry. This is the softest, fluffiest rug ever. Um, who are you? Get off that rug. I am trying to set. Goodbye, Rog. Okay. Well, you didn't tell me there was a singing hot tub. Uh, you didn't ask about a singing hot there. tub. You asked about singing animals. True. I did mention funny monkeys. This is old school, but every once in a while I like to break out the trunk monkey. So let's break him out. <laughs> oh, no. Get my car. $85. You said 75 earlier. That was it. I just walked five miles. And I hope them shoes you got on is comfortable. 
monkey can drive. That just happened. The Trunk Monkey Auto Recovery System, only at Suburban Auto Group. That monkey can <laughs> he drive. He in the trunk. He came oh. out of the trunk to drive. He got the guy, he rescued the guy's <laughs> car from the compound there. Um, uh, anyway, the last one is uh, from the New York Lottery people. Memory is deeper than expected. Are you getting a read over there? Hello? Gerald, where are you targeting the memory? The diagram. The memory's in the hippocampus. All targeting prefrontal cortex. Then call it a clean wipe. Pull the power. Killing. Logan, have you ever heard of someone named Justin Bieber? No. New York's new Powerball. The starting jackpots are double. The possibilities are endless. I'm not fully sure what that has to do with selling lottery tickets, but whatever the case, they erased the man's mind, at least to the point where he no longer knows who Justin Bieber is. So. Maybe that's the point. Right. Like, you can become rich enough to... Forget everything. Exactly. Forget you don't right. care anymore. Biebs, Kardashians. Doesn't matter. Also. You're one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can dream. Yeah. All right. Uh, final word on the weather, and we're losing an hour of sleep. Yeah, so that's Sunday morning. You need to change your clock. Yeah, lose an hour, but by Sunday night, it means sunset will happen at 7.12, so the days will feel much longer. Uh, chance of showers throughout the day on Saturday. I think it'll be less so on Sunday. You'll see more breaks of blue sky. It's only about a 40% chance. That's the day we change our clocks. And then by Sunday night, we are expecting rainfall, and we'll continue to see that on Monday. Indoor activities, all you parents out there, that's what you need to plan for this spring break. As soon as I have to remember how to change the clock on my stove. Right. I, I know, it's, it's tricky, right? Tricky. I need the instruction manual. Have a good night, everyone. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.